um, sometimes too long. But, uh, well, if we're going to be going over today, just kind of uh, basically um, some simple ways of how to articulate the gospel to your friends that hopefully will be easy to remember for you and easy for them to remember. Because if you're the one sharing and you don't remember it, <laughs> they're definitely not going to remember it if they're the ones that are hearing it for the first time. Um, but before we get to that, I want to just uh, throw around a few questions and talk about some just general things about sharing the gospel. Um, so why don't I just open up, up in prayer real quick, and then we'll, we'll dive in. So, uh, God, just thanks for the opportunity uh, to be up here at Hume Lake and um, just to be able to experience uh, time away from studies and normal everyday life stuff and uh, um, get to have our meals made for us and um, be able to hear from people that have really uh, walked with you for a long time and are really um, putting into practice the things that uh, that you've been teaching in their lives. And I pray, God, that you continue to keep us safe, give us rest, and have attentive minds and hearts the rest of the week, and that uh, really people would just be really refreshed by the end of the week, um, ready to go back into um, everyday lives on their college campuses to um, be ambassadors for you. In your name I pray. Amen. Um, so when you guys think of, uh, when you guys think of the gospel, what are... That is a very potent marker. I'm going to keep that close for a little while. Uh, when you guys think of the gospel, what are what are some things that come to your mind? Phrases, words. You don't have to tell me the whole gospel. But. Yeah. Good news. Good news. Okay. Yeah. The Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston. Okay. Yeah. Moses. What else? Bridge illustration. The bridge illustration. Talk about that a little bit later. Hard attitudes. Okay. What are some, uh, well, any, any other ones? Any other ones? Anything else? Jesus. Jesus? <laughs> the answer is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this time that's right. No. Um, what are, um, what are some verses, if, some, if someone's ever shared the gospel with you or uh, you've heard the gospel at Challenge or Church or you've shared the gospel, what are some verses that tend to sometimes be you hear thrown out a lot when someone's trying to share the gospel. Yeah. John 3.16. John 3.16, yeah. Do you know that verse? Okay. What other verses? Romans 3.23. Yeah. I'll send the first word of glory. Romans 6.23. Any other ones? Maybe you don't know the reference, but you know generally what the verse says. The Great Commission. What's that? The Great Commission? Yeah. It's true. Romans. <laughs> the Roman road. Anything in Romans, you'll probably get to somewhere in the gospel, hopefully. That's true. Um, I don't know if you guys are ever are familiar with, um, I mean, they're, they're starting to phase out. They're becoming less cool. But the idea of just tracks, you know, I mean, there's there's tons of different tracks. And basically what track is, it usually will have some really cheesy drawings in there um, that are very outdated because no one's, you know, made any new copies in a while and stuff. They probably printed, like, way too much the first time, and then, ah, we don't have the money to print new again, so we'll just stick with these. But um, And there's usually tons of verses per page just kind of associated. And I would read those sometimes and um, go over them. But, I mean, there's a lot of verses in there. And I was just like, man, like, this is kind of overwhelming, like, need like a semester just to like get this down and then 
I can actually begin to share with my friends. And even then I have to like, you know, it's going to be difficult. And so, um, you know, I finally just decided like one day I was, okay, there's a lot of verses in the Bible like that you could tell the gospel. with. I mean, because the whole Bible is all one story, you know, one big story moving together and stuff. And so I've heard one person like this share the gospel with this track. And they, Those are the verses. That's great. And then I hear someone else share one, maybe some of the same verses, but a different way. And I'm like, that's the one. Wait a second. No, wait. No. And then I'd go back and forth and it'd be so frustrating. So I was like, okay, which one is it? I thought I had the one, you know. And uh, um, finally I said, okay, you know what? I need to figure out just a handful of verses that for myself make sense. And I could clearly articulate the gospel to myself on a regular basis. I could recite the gospel to myself and just rehearse it over and over and over in my mind. Um, and one of the things I'd encourage you guys to do, um, I, I, I'll tell you some of the ones that, that I've used, and you're welcome to use these. You're welcome to, you know, take them or use totally different ones or use some of these and stuff. But um, figure out just a handful of verses, maybe, you know, anywhere from three to six, three to seven verses, just, and, and memorize those. Commit those to memory and, um, and just continue to preach the gospel to yourself on a regular basis to recite it because um, one of the things is, uh, when you do that, when you're in the middle of sharing with someone, um, sometimes, you know, what, I don't know if it's the enemy or if it's just our own, like, we're nervous, and so we just kind of have this brain, you know, fart in our mind. Ah, but, like, sometimes we get the, I mean, we're a Christian, and yet we get the basic thoughts of the gospel just jumbled in our mind. And we're like, wait, was it Jesus that died for us? Who was that guy? And, and you know, and we're just like, and did, did, he, did he actually rise from Okay, yeah, and then, and we get all confused, and then if, they start throwing questions. If they ask us questions, just not even in an accusatory way, but just, can you clarify that? We're like, oh my gosh, like, don't ask me to point out a verse and where that is. Just believe it's in there, you know? And, um, and it's, it can be really, you know, really scary and stuff. And so um, for me, I just decided, you know what? So that I can have some clarity in my mind when, and that I can be very, I can be sure that I know what I know. Um, I want to take some of the things that have always been ideas that have been thrown out to me and figure out what are some verses I can hold on to that this, yes, this is true, this is what God's word says, and I can be assured of that. And another thing it does is it really allows you to kind of pick up talking about the gospel from any, from any point of view. You don't have to start, wait, don't, don't interrupt me right now. Let me just start from the beginning and go to the end. Don't ask any clarifying questions in the middle. You might get me confused, you know. Um, but you can kind of pick up anywhere you know, if you know it well enough. I mean, do any of you guys have... Do any of you guys have favorite favorite movies that you like that uh, are kind of your you know your go to movies if you're gonna have some free time? What are some of your favorite movies? Hot Rod. Hot Rod? <laughs> All right. Yeah. V uh, for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. I saw one. That's pretty kind of like 1984ish. You know, a little bit the uh, the whole story there. Yeah. Any other ones? Nacho Libre? Yeah. Nine? I haven't seen that one. Um, I, now, some of your movies that are just your favorites, uh, would it be fair to say you, you probably could quote a handful of the lines from your favorite movies? Yeah. Um, and, and, and not only that, but if, if you were to walk in on someone watching that in their room, no matter what scene it was, you could be like, ah, I know what the movie this is. I know where you're at in the movie. I know what just happened right before and what's about to happen. You know, is that, it's probably pretty accurate to say. For me, 
Actually, I have a lot of movies that are like that because I, uh, I wasted a lot of memory growing up memorizing movie lines. You know, <laughs> wish I could take some of that back. But uh, Princess Bride is probably one of those for me like that. Yes. Now, don't knock it until you've seen it, but it's amazing. You know, and it sounds girly at first, but it's actually pretty epic. Um, but, uh, I mean, honestly, I could, sadly enough, that and the Sandlot, I probably could quote every line from the opening credits to the end. And I have at some point, right? I've gotten in trouble for some of those, actually, because some lines you don't want to repeat. Um, I was having a, uh, this is an aside, but I was at, one time I was at my grandparents' house, and my cousin and I were reenacting the, you know, the Enigma toy, the sword fighting scene at the end and stuff, and he was the count, and I was Enigma toy, and we're going back and forth, and he goes, he's like, give me back everything I asked for, and he was like, anything you want, I said, I want my father back, you son of a, and he goes, Uncle Neil, and I was like, don't tell him, you know, jerk, and I got spanked for that, and I didn't say it anymore, but, um, and I didn't play Swords with Andrew anymore either, uh, here's a tattletale, but, um, but the thing was, I, that movie, I had seen it so many times, and sometimes, if I only had a few minutes, I'd just watch a few scenes I really liked, and I'd just fast forward to that, you know, the fight scenes, like, that's all I've seen, you know, fast forward, fast kissing, you know, go to the fight scenes and stuff, and, um, but, and then a lot of times, I just watch it over and over and over again, so that, honestly, I could tell someone, if they had half an hour, I could tell them the whole story of, uh, you know, Princess Bride, if they had five minutes, I'll tell them the, you know, it's about fencing, fighting, revenge, giants, true love, miracles, you know, the whole, there you go, that's what the movie's about right there. And um, But because I'd seen it over and over, and that's how we want to be with the gospel. We want to know it so well to ourselves that we could approach it from different angles. It's the same story, but we can approach it from different angles. We can talk about one aspect if someone really wants to hear more of one aspect. We can pick it up talking about it with anybody along the way. And we know it so well that it's kind of on autopilot for us. And really what we're focused on is, the person that we're talking to, not did I get the story right, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I encourage you, you know, memorize. And these verses you may not share necessarily when you're sharing the gospel, but you have in the back of your mind as this reassurance from the Holy Spirit that this is the right story, and I am telling in the right order, and this is actually what happened, you know. Um, for me, I decided to write this down one day, and I looked at, there were six verses that I finally thought, you know, these verses really helped me articulate, and honestly, there's tons of other verses, but these are the ones I that have helped me. I thought, um, first one was Romans 3.23. That says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because I thought, okay. And that really, that verse summarizes, you know, our state as humans. Like, what is the state of, hum of humanity right now? Well, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, that's that's where we're at, you know, present day, you know. And then, uh, and I thought, okay, what's, what might be the next logical thought in a person's mind? Okay, well, what does that mean? And is that my only option? You know, and uh, well, Romans 6, 23, you know, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that means that we've earned death. That's what we've earned. But there's a second option. You know, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have the option to not choose what we've earned by God's grace. And you know, then someone might begin to think, or in my mind, I was thinking, what, what, what's the next thought someone might think? Well, why is that? Why would, why would God allow that to be another option? Well, John 3, 16, you know, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so someone's saying, okay, so mankind, we're sinners, you know, we've, we've fallen short of the glory of God, we, we deserve death, but God gives us the option of eternal life through his Son, 
And why does he do that? He does it because he loves us. Well, okay, so what, what does this mean to accept Jesus, to have a relationship? What is, what is, how do you even do that? Well, Romans 10, 9. was another verse to memorize for that. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, very, just one line right there. You confess your mouth that he's Lord, that he's going to be the boss of your life. He gets to call the shots and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning he actually did defeat death. He is the most powerful one. And therefore, he has the ability to be your savior. If you decide, yeah, that's true, and I'm going to make him boss of my life, says, at that point, you're saved. You know, that's what that means. And so, you know, and honestly, you read something like that, and you think, that seems like a pretty simple answer for a big problem. You're like, are you sure there's nothing else I need to do? Like, I mean, maybe there's like some things I need to make sure, like I have to go to church, or I have to, you know, I have to like, you know, say my Hail Marys if I come from a Catholic background, or I have to do certain things like, you know, give to the poor, or do some sort of, you know, service project or something like that. And you think, well, no, that's when you go to Ephesians 4, or Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Um, just that no, letting them know that really there's no works that's going to be a part of this, that's going to be enough. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. And so you tell me, guys, you know what? It'd be, it's, it's not even part of the equation. It's God's grace plus our choice equals salvation. Not God's grace plus our works plus our choice equals salvation. That's not even part of the equation. The amount of good things you do and the amount of bad things, completely irrelevant to this, to this question right here. It's a, it's a matter of God's grace and our choice through faith. Um, and then, you know, if someone chooses to accept Christ, one of the, the common thing, right, right when they choose to accept Christ or um, is the enemy is going to begin to make them want to doubt. Um, right? I mean, it's going to happen. Sometimes it, it might even happen a few minutes later or the next day or sometimes maybe right after, depending on how scared the enemy is at the time right then. And so I want to give them a verse to hold on to to let them know they have assurance of salvation if they've chosen this. And that... That verse I've chosen is 1 John 5, 11 through 13. There's a lot of good verses on assurance, but um, this one I memorized. It says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then Paul says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So basically it says, guys... If you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. If you don't have the Son of God, you don't. That's simple. There's one, one or another. Have you, did you accept Jesus or did you not? Because if you did, you can know that you have eternal life. You know, plain and simple. And uh, so those are some verses like for me. I mean, and there's other ones I've memorized along the way here and there. But those are six that I really, I go back to over and over just to recite to myself what the gospel is. And in a linear, just articulate manner what, you know, the thought progression of what someone might be thinking in terms of sharing the gospel. Um, and that way, if I know that, I, I don't get really, you know, just befuddled of where, where I'm at, you know, in sharing with someone. Um, so I encourage, you know, along with just some of these uh, ways of sharing that we're going to talk about, I, I would uh, encourage you to memorize a few verses on that. Um, one of the things, you know, before we get into some of the, some of the different ways of sharing, uh, when you're sharing with anybody, really, just as you're going about life, uh, 
it's important to really know what our role is versus what God's role is in a situation. Because if you don't, you can get really frustrated and you can put a lot more pressure on yourself than you realize needs to be there. Um, and then you end up focusing on something that's not even in your sphere of influence and you probably end up leaving out things that are. Um, so our role, our role is three things. Our role is to love people, to pray for people, and to share with people. They all ended people. So there you go. To love people, to pray for people, and to share with people. It's God's role to convict people, to draw people to himself, and to change people. It's his role to convict people, to draw people to himself, and to change people. See, a lot of times, we think it's our role to make people feel guilty that they don't know God, or feel guilty that they don't want to follow God. And so we, we lay on the guilt trips really hardcore, and we feel bad kind of doing it, and they hate us for doing it, but we're like, God, it's just part of my role as a Christian. I have to do it. No, that's really not. That's God's role. God's the one that's going to convict them of sin. You can't get that deep inside of their soul to do that. The only place as deep as you can get is under their skin, which is not somewhere you want to be, you know? And so leave that to God. And and in drawing people to himself, you know, it can be very easy just to have this weight on you like, they're not going to become a Christian, you know, if if it's not for me. Memorize John 6, 44. You know, it's God who's going to draw them to Jesus, not you. And changing people. You know, we can give people thoughts and ideas and help them try to see things from a different perspective, but ultimately they have to decide if they want to change. Um, probably going to butcher this, uh, this little phrase, but I'm trying to remember how it goes. But somewhat, my dad and other people have said this before, but uh, you know, it says that a person um, convinced against his will is still of the same opinion still. You know, I mean, you can you can try to push someone in a corner and make them agree with you, but at the end of the day, they're going to go back to the same, revert back to the same old thing um, once they get out of your company or, you know, once they leave college or something like that. So um, only God's going to be able to change it. But we do have a role in people's lives. We can actually, God has given us the influence, like Strap talked about, we have the influence to really love people and to really show them that we care through just meeting practical needs, through being there for them, through listening to them through helping them with things going on in their lives, to praying for them. God has, you know, in his, you know, power, I don't know how it all works, but he's still in completely control, yet we can still change things through prayers. You know, it's, it's a weird thing how that balances together, but we actually can change the trajectory of some things in people's lives when we pray. Um, and we have, God has given us mouths, he's given us brains, and he's given us his words, so we actually can learn it and He's given us experiences and lives of our own, our own testimonies, and we can share that with other people. We can share why our life is better because of Jesus and what that means to actually have a relationship with Jesus. God's given us that gift, and he's commanded us to do it, actually. It's not even just a privilege, but it's also a command. Um, so we, want, we don't want to get confused on that when we're talking to someone. And I think if you really continue to go through daily situations and people you're interacting with, knowing your role and God's role, it's so much more freeing because... You actually can make strides in things that you actually have control over. And you can leave the other stuff to God and not worry about it, you know. Um, 
And then before we go into two, two other, a couple other things before we go into sharing some, there's two extremes you really want to avoid in sharing the gospel. Um, both, both are bad. Both kind of have their things. And, and the, the two things is is uh, two names for for group categories of people, I suppose. Um, one one you you might call the avoiders, and the other you might call the exploders. You probably know what I'm going to talk about in a second, but just but I'll elaborate some more. But the avoiders, these are, um, you know, these are Christians who really keep everything all bottled up inside. Um, they they probably will not ever take initiative in telling people about their lives, their life in Christ, and the fact that they're they're, they're like what Strap called the you know, the Christians that are kind of, you know, the, in, the yeah secret agents. They, they they're not going to tell people. I mean, and even if someone was to come to them and say. You know, and just God put one right in their lap and said, and they, someone comes to him and says, you know, hey, so tell me why Christ has made a difference in your life. How, how can I become a Christian? I mean, the, the avoiders, because they're so insecure and because they're so focused on, oh, I might get rejected or I might say the wrong thing or, you know, what are they going to think of me? They're going to just collapse and, like, and, and just not say anything because they're just so afraid that, you know, what people might think of them. And and really, I mean, when you think about it, it's it's very a... It's a self-centered, insecure, just they have not settled who, what their identity is and who gives them value, who assigns them value. They're still trying to get value from other people, and they're just, they're scared. And I think, you know, that just kind of frees them up, and it's really sad. But there's a lot of people that are in that category that will just never open their mouths when it comes to sharing what Christ has done in their life. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, you also don't want to be an exploder. And, you know, and these people... I yeah, I, uh, I feel for these people more because I I am one of them, um, so I feel for myself more I suppose, but uh, I'm selfish. But um, you know these people are, um, they can kind of be on the other extreme where uh, their motto is share with anything that moves, and may have a soul, um, and uh, and usually these people I mean, a lot of times I think they do have good motives. Um, I think they just. Um, you know, they realize people need Christ, and they realize that, you know, that really is what's going to be best for these people's lives long term. But the problem is, in an effort to share Christ with everything that moves, they sometimes can treat people like projects. And sometimes they don't take the time to actually get to know this person relationally, to take the time to actually listen to what this person says. They're just counting the minutes when this person's going to stop talking so they can unload the entire gospel, you know, start to finish, Genesis to Revelation, you will know everything there is to know about becoming a Christian by the end of this conversation, you know, and it's like, don't care what you have the rest of your day, I'm going to tell you the entire thing right here, right now, and, you know, exactly like what Strap talked about, you know, the idea of, hey, one potato chip, maybe a handful is pretty good, but an entire bag, it's a recipe for an upset stomach, you know, I mean, it's like, sometimes too much of anything is just not a good thing it, it'll it'll overwhelm somebody and and they they'll get that glazed look on their face you know where they're just like you know falling asleep or staring up into space or checking their watch every five minutes it's like is your watch broken why do they keep looking down at it you know um so you want to really be careful because what you're going to do it's 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 going to be really hard to demonstrate the love of christ when you're an exploder because it's going to look like you just have an agenda. You really don't care 
about the little problems in their life. I mean, and for you, the answer is always Jesus, you know? And the answer is just, I don't care what's going on at home. I don't care if you have tough, tough things going on. Jesus, just accept Jesus. And whether, that, whether or not that may be the right answer, which I think it is the right answer. You know, I think, yes, their life, life would be better if they had a relationship with Jesus. They need to know that you care about them as a person and that you're not just trying to get this exciting burden story off your chest and to share with them. Um, and really, I think for both of these, the avoiders and the exploders, really the key is uh, to really just let the Holy Spirit guide you in conversation. Uh, when we say a challenge, we, we tell people, you know, we, to pay attention and to keep in step. You know, pay attention to the Holy Spirit opening up doors and look for those doors. Don't, you know, you can actually initiate doors. You don't have to just wait for a door to be wide open and someone to kick you through the door. I mean, you can actually look for the door, you know, um, and pray for opportunities for doors to be created. Um, and then, as the Holy Spirit leads, step through those and look for opportunities to share. And then when they're there, seize those opportunities. Um, you know, the uh, in general, I would say when you're when it comes to sharing, uh, less is more. Um, if you're going to err, err on the side of sharing less, because then you give them the opportunity to be curious and ask questions. You know, if you share with them everything you know and just a few things you only suspect, um, they're going to be like, "Gosh, remind myself never to engage in a conversation with them again about anything spiritual," because I will have to allot the rest of my afternoon. You know. But if you just share with them little bits here and there, man, they're going to... And if they really want to know more, then they'll ask you, hey, so when you said this, what exactly did that mean? You know, or, and they can go more and more. But a lot of times we overshare because we're afraid they don't want to hear it, but we're going to make them hear anyway, you know? And I think, well, if they don't want to hear, then stop talking, you know? <laughs> let, them, let them hear as much as they want to hear. And if they want to hear more, they'll ask, you know? Um, and then the last thing here... You know, what, what do you think? Well, I won't really think anymore. I'll just go and tell you. Um, the, you know, when you're, when you're sharing the gospel, um, you want to be really be clear what the when is. You know, what, what is your when in sharing the gospel? Um, and that's true with anything in life, really. I mean, that's just not just sharing the gospel. With anything you're doing, if you don't know what the when is, then you're not really sure if you accomplish that when. Um, and you can really leave a lot of conversations with the feeling of uneasiness of, did I actually achieve what I wanted to achieve there or not? Um, for a lot of people, their win in sharing the gospel is conversion. And if they didn't achieve that, they feel like a failure. They feel like they said something wrong or that person was just too much of a knothead or, or God just really didn't work in this situation. And the problem is they had the wrong win. Your win in sharing the gospel really isn't conversion. That's God's win. You don't have control over God's win. Let that be God's win. You have, it's, you know, it's better in anything you're doing in life to have a win that is within your sphere of influence. You know, some people, I, I know for a semester, like, you know, they, they'll have different wins. Like, my, my, my goal this semester is to have three people come to Christ. And I think, well, that's a good idea and to pray for three people coming to Christ. I think that's a great prayer request to be offering to God, but it's kind of a not the best win because honestly, you have no control over if people are going to come to Christ or not. Better, maybe maybe you have a goal instead of 
I'm going to try, my goal this semester is to seize every opportunity that Christ brings up to share the gospel and to pray and look for other opportunities too. And to be able to say at the end of the semester, I took every opportunity God gave me and let him do what he wants to do with me. Um, I think when you're sharing the gospel, there really, I think there's really three parts a three-part win um, to sharing the gospel that, that you want to make. If, you, if these three things happen when you share the gospel, you should be able to chalk it up as a success, whether they receive Christ or not. Because God's going to, you've done your role, God's going to do his after that. And, and those three things are really, the first one is you want to, you want people to understand that you're sharing with that God loves them and wants a relationship with them. They, they need to know that God loves them. If that is not, they may not fully agree with it or they may not believe it, but at least they know that God loves them. Or at least that you think that God loves them. Um, and the second one is they need to know that Jesus Christ chose to pay for their mistakes. That there is a second option. Because isn't it miserable to be in a situation where it feels really, because there are some people that aren't believers that they've finally reached a point where they're not really content with their lives. But they just don't think there's any other way. They just think, well, that's just how it is. You know? Like in the story of the prodigal son, like, I think the thing that was, you know, I was, I was reading that the other day, I thought, you know, it may have taken him, I think one of the things that was really encouraging for him and what helped him come to his senses, he realized finally, there's another option. I don't have to do this the rest of my life. Like, I could go back to my father, you know? Um, for some people, they don't even realize there is a, a road to, you know, door number two. They just think, door number one, it's going to be really miserable the rest of the time I'm here, you know. Um, and then the third thing is you want, you want people to be very clear that they have a choice to make. Because a lot of times the gospel is shared, uh, and, and, I, and I've done this too. Like, I mean, sometimes they'll share the gospel in ways that at the end of it, they think, well, that's a nice story. But they don't realize the next step is they have a choice to make. Do you choose this or do you not? Because the way it's shared, it's shared in such a way that, well, so that's what it is. And, you know, happy ever after. All right, see you later. You know, and they think, wait, so do I actually play a role in that story? Yeah, actually you do. You have a choice to make on what you want to do about it. So that God loves them, that Christ chose to pay for their mistakes, and they have a choice. That, that really, if you've, if you've articulated that to someone, whether they believe it or not, in, a, in sharing the gospel, I really think you can chalk that up as, yeah, I, that, was a, that was a win in terms of sharing that. Um, and then one maybe, you know, on top of that too, just that, that and I, I didn't write this as one of them, but just that they know that you love them too, that they know that you're not treating them as a project, that they know that you care about them, whether they choose to step into the kingdom right then or not, that you care about them. And that you're not just going to write them off because they didn't like your little drawing. Most of my drawings are terrible anyway, so if anyone is impressed by them, I'm amazed. So I'm like, hey. Um, so I want to just go over a couple, a couple of ways to, um, to share the gospel real quick. And then uh, and these and guys, these are, these are not going to take long. They're pretty simple because honestly, again, like I said, err on the side of not taking forever to articulate the gospel. Um, and the first one, like Cody said, it's it's the bridge illustration. For those of you guys that haven't seen this, probably a lot of you guys have. It's, uh, 
in case you have it, here it is. It's going to be the best artwork you've ever seen. <laughs> Whoa. If the marker works. It's with my invisible marker. <laughs> And the main thing is, you draw a bridge here, and there's a chasm in the middle. On one side, you have God. On the other side, you have you, boy or girl, whoever you're talking to. And in the middle of the chasm, <coughs> you have mistakes. Some people put sin there, but honestly, you could put sin there if you want, but... I feel like you just have to define it more because a lot of people are like sin. Wait, what does all that mean? But mistakes, I mean, everybody knows what that is. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not perfect. I don't feel like often, though, some people will take a lot longer to explain that, but for most people I've talked to, I don't really have to convince them that they are not perfect. <laughs> I've never met anyone yet that's thought, no, I pretty much got it all right, you know? And so, uh, but really, one of the things you explain as you draw this, you say, you know what? There's a chasm between us and God from our mistakes, you know? And and that, are, just like in human relationships, when trust is violated, when things are done wrong from one person to another, there's a chasm in between people because of the mistakes that have been made. Um, so the question really is, how do, how do we get back into a relationship with them? How do we bridge this gap? Um, now, a lot of people over the, over the history have tried just different human effort things and as you look at the Bible, I mean, that just, that doesn't work. You know, I mean, they can try, you know, ethics, philosophy, being good, doing all these good things, but the fact of the matter is, the relationship, there's still a lack of trust and there's a separation. Um, and really, you want, and then you can invite them to say, you know what? By faith, through what Christ has done for you on the cross, really, the only person that can really bridge this gap is Jesus. And what he did for you on the cross. And, and tell them, you know what? He actually really can reconcile your relationship to God. And if you will choose to walk across this bridge through what Jesus has done for you, you can actually be restored to your relationship with God. Is that something you'd like to do? And there you go. You share the gospel with someone, you know. Now, people may have some clarifying questions on that. Great. Better that than, dear God, when is this over? You know? <laughs> and so you just share with them, okay. The simplest way, and the main, the main part to remember is that, that God is on one side, humans on the other. There is a chasm of mistakes that separates us, and that only bridge is Jesus Christ. You know, very easy to write down on a piece of paper. You don't have to be an amazing artist to actually do it. You know, um, so that's one you can just share people. There's, they can be coming from a lot of different places in life, and that'll make sense to them, I think, as you share with them. Um, these next couple ones can be even or even a little more, uh, there's two more that can be a little more specific um, for people that are in different situations. This one I call the morality ladder. Some of you guys have probably seen this before, but this is a really great one um, for, for people who think, you know, they just, they, they maybe believe there is God, but they just don't really think they need God. I mean, honestly, they're not perfect people, but they're not terrible people either. I mean, they're pretty moral, pretty ethical, pretty good guys. I mean, never done anything too bad. Never you know, killed anybody or gone to jail or something like that. So I think I got this on my own. Um, and so what you might do with someone like that is you may draw and say, okay, well, um, 
what if there was a ladder, and at the top of that ladder is God, and we'll call God, you know, perfectly moral, perfectly right, just everything is, you know, exactly, and he's, he's perfect, uh, perfectly just. And at the very bottom of the ladder, you know, you have, you know, serial killers, and uh, <laughs> you have rapists, and you have, you know, child abductors, um, and you have, you know, dictators, and, you know, gen- people that commit genocide, and all that stuff at the bottom, I mean, the whole spectrum between there. And then you ask them, you say, you know, if this is perfectly moral up here, and this is just the scum of the earth down here, like, where, where would you put yourself on that, on that spectrum? And, and say, okay, now before you do, though, um, who do you think is the most moral person in all of history? You know, ask them that. And, um, you know, a lot of people, they might throw it different. Some people might throw it like, maybe Mother Teresa. You know, maybe she's the most moral person. I mean, she's pretty, you know, give all of her riches, went to India, chose to do the whole serving the poor thing. Like, probably Mother Teresa. So, yeah, probably pretty good. Okay, so you put, I mean, and it may be other people, but whoever it is, you put their initials on it and say, yes, you know, she, I, I would agree, she may be one of the most moral people, but uh, you put her a little down here away from, uh, underneath, and you say, okay, well, what, um, who do you think the most moral, you know, person in our day, like, in America is, like, the most moral American, and, um, you know, people may throw out different answers, like, different religious people they may know, or uh, some people may throw out, like, Billy Graham or something like that, like, maybe Billy Graham or, you know, I don't know, Rick Warren or something like that, you know, Purpose Dream Life, sure, that's that guy. Uh, and so, whoever it is, maybe it's Rick Warren, okay, well, maybe put, you know, Rick Warren down here, they'll, they'll just tell somebody and say, okay. Um, and then put yourself in there and say, you know what? No, I'm not even going to try to put myself up in the company of Mother Teresa. Or uh, definitely not Rick Warren. Out of respect, I'm probably going to give myself a nice big gap here between the two of them and put uh, you know, Jeremy Walker and stuff in. Um, and then say, okay, now, now where, where would you put yourself on that? And now most of them are probably not going to go, well, above here, you know, you know, I, you know. They may put themselves above you, and if that's if they do, you know, don't get offended at that. But okay, fine, you know. But maybe they'll put themselves like somewhere right there, so I'm gonna draw an X where their their name is. And then you say, okay, you know, now Mother Teresa, she was pretty moral person, but she had a gap between her and God. And uh, you know, she actually um, was a Christian, and she decided, you know, in her life that. She did have a gap between her and God, and the only person that was going to bridge that gap was Jesus Christ through what he did on the cross. And you know, Rick Warren, as, as solid of a guy as he was, he knew that he had a gap. And he was a Christian too, and he decided, you know, the only thing that's going to bridge my gap between me and God is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And you can say for yourself, now for me, I definitely am quite a ways down for both of them, but, but I have a plan too for actually how I'm going to bridge the gap. I've decided, you know what? My plan is what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me as well. That's what's bridging my gap. And you know, now if, if they mention people here that aren't believers, what you can just say for that is, you know what? They were really more people, but, but they didn't have a plan for bridging that gap between them and God. And for me down here, I would probably be considered in the world's eyes a lot less more than these two people, but I did have a plan. And that was Jesus Christ. And so then you say to them, now, friend, you have... You have a gap. Now, I mean, you're not a terrible person. You're not, 
you're not an axe murderer or a serial killer or a rapist or some dictator or some of that, but but you have a gap. Like, what's your plan for for bridging that gap? And and ask them that. You know, let them let them tell you. And then tell them. You know, and then one of the things you tell them afterwards, if they're like, well, I have no idea. You know, then you say, well, you know what? Jesus Christ actually has a plan for how you can bridge that gap between you and God. Are you interested? And then just tell them. Uh, so that's another way you can do it. And that's, that's the, you know, the morality ladder. And then this last one, this honestly is probably the easiest one. If you can't remember this, I can't help you. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, this one is really good uh, in, in several scenarios. This is a really good one you can do with people if, uh, if you don't have much time. If you just have a few minutes, maybe you're on an airplane, or you're just you're going somewhere quickly, or, or um, this is also a good one to do if someone uh, is looking at a lot of different religions and figuring out, okay, how do these look different? Are they all the same thing, and they're just kind of saying in a different way, or what? Um, and it's two words. So you say, you know, most people when they think of religion or something spiritual, they they really think about the word do. You know, what do I have to do? be good enough? What do I have to do to reach nirvana or to have my own planet with a limited amount of wives or what it, you know, whatever it may be and what do I have to do to be good enough? You know? Um, and then you tell them, you know, the breakthrough, thro- the breakthrough thought in biblical Christianity um, is a word that's very similar to this but has a very different meaning and is very significantly different. Um, and that's the word done. What Jesus Christ has already done for us on the cross. You know, he said, it's finished, it's paid for. I have done enough for you that you don't have to do anything. It's already done. And so you let people know, I mean, and it's, that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. That's the difference between religion and a relationship with Christ. And that's it. That's all you have to share with someone. And, you know, I mean, this is so simple. I mean, you don't even have to write it down. You can just tell them it. But, I mean, I, I shared this just recently with a guy, um, a non-Christian guy that's been coming around our ministry named Ryan. I mean, while we were at the gym lifting weights, it wasn't like we weren't even just sitting across from the coffee shop with the real music playing, intimate setting and stuff. I mean, we were just lifting weights in between. He was like, he was asking about, you know, Christian challenge and about Christianity and what that was like. He, you know, he grew up in China and was atheist. And he didn't know much of what, what it meant. He was like, so what, what's the whole deal? You know, what's, what's the deal with Christianity and stuff. Is that, are you, do you guys just kind of like propagate stuff and this and that? And I told him, no. Really, I mean, I guess the simplest way to say that to the thing I would say to really define Christianity is do versus done, you know. And I explained this to him. And he was like, oh, huh, that's cool. And that can stick with someone. You can write that down and give it to them. And they can think, okay, do versus done. That's the big difference. And they might have questions about that afterwards, but you've given them a very simplistic way of remembering this is what the gospel is. So, um, so those are, those are just three illustrations I think that might might help you. And honestly, guys, um, at the end of the day, you want to have whatever works for you. You want you want to figure out what works for you, what's really helpful for you, and articulating what the gospel is um, to your friends in a way that makes sense. I I I think it's it's helpful to have more uh, more than one way of doing it because honestly. Um, different locks require different keys 
You know, if you only have a screwdriver, everything looks like a screw. You know, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> and so, um, and you will just treat people like that. You know, well, sorry, I, I know you have a different set of problems and you need to hear this from a different point of view, but this is the only way I know how to share it. Bam. You know, and you do that. And hey, if you only have one way, it's better than nothing. But you can put, begin to put more tools in your toolbox of how to share the gospel. And you continue to you memorize some verses to really be able to articulate to yourself over and over and over again what the gospel is. And then you can begin to come at it just like your favorite movie from different angles and be able to pick it up from whatever point or you know, illustrate in a little bit different way or depending on the time, amount of time you have to talk to someone, you can shorten it or lengthen it or give more detail or less detail. Um, I think that'll really make you more effective and where that becomes more and more second nature, you can actually begin to just focus on how long am I talking to this person, the nonverbals, seeing are they glazing over, are they not, are they, are they looking confused, are they not, do I need to stop and explain a point a little bit more, are they, you know, are they tracking with me and stuff like that. Um, and, and usually I've found if, if you can incorporate more ways of learning, uh, that, that helps people stay more attentive. If you just talk, um, you're, only, you're only using the verbal. But if you can draw something and talk at the same time, then you, you, they're visually learning and they're hearing at the same time, you know. Um, so that's, that's, that's all I really had to share. Do you guys have any questions before we wrap up? Otherwise, we'll be, uh, we'll be done. Yeah. And like I've, I've asked, I've asked like, other people about this, and like I think like I have a clip that I was like getting. Sure. Um, I I have a really good friend of mine. He's actually the drummer in my band. Um, we've been friends for two years now. Um, and he actually he lives with me. He's lived with me this past past year, but he isn't a Christian. And like he he knows I am. We've talked about it before. Um, and like he's he's heard he's heard the gospel and whatnot. I mean he knows what it is, but he doesn't want to make a choice. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, just both that as well as, like, even my other roommates, like, they profess to be Christians, but they don't act it at all. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like that, that more there, like, well, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Besides, I mean, there's obvious answer, speak to Jesus Christ, but I don't know if you had any practical or anything else. Yeah, it's, well, and the tough thing is he's getting a mixed message, because he's got your other roommates that are saying he's a Christian, they're Christians and they're not acting like this, so he's thinking their life isn't any different than mine. What's the what's the draw here? Um, I think, you know, one of the other really powerful things that you have too is just your own testimony and your own life. Um, and, and part of that's going to be through words, part of it's just going to be through your actions. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, when you what it, the whole point of a testimony is you're helping explain to someone why your life is better with Christ than without. Um, you know, why your life is better as a result of knowing him than it would have been otherwise. Um, and if that question is seared in your mind and you can answer that question well to someone, um, you know, you've, you've shared your testimony and you've shared your life story and stuff. And um, I think, you know, for me, when I've had guys that I've, I've shared before, like you said, one of them is just, Continuing to keep praying for them, um, continuing to do that, and, and continue to get them around. Um, look for opportunities to get him around other guys that are really walking with God that are Christians, because sometimes people, um, you know, 
need to hear it from different people other than just you. Um, they need to see that, especially if you're your roommate too. They need to hear it from other people. And for him, him, I know some people that they can see someone that's a Christian. They think, well, I just can't, I can't see myself being a Christian and being like that. But then they meet another Christian who is a lot more like they they are just in terms of personality, but they their life's different and they're walking again. They think, well, that doesn't look like too far of a stretch. I could do that, you know. Hey, what's that guy got? Same thing you've you've got. You're just different, you know. Just different personality and stuff, and different. And so, um, let them see you're not the only weird one, you know. That there's other weird people out there and stuff. And um, I think when they begin to see it, sometimes that, you know, that unlocks some things as they begin to get around other guys. And they think this isn't just something Jonathan does. This is something that's actually important to other people too, you know. And I think you know uh, another good thing is is don't be afraid to kind of debrief your thoughts with him from time to time, you know. Um, you know, talk to him about, man, I'm going through a really tough time with this situation right here. And, you know, part of me wants to do this, but part of me wants to do this. And this is what I'm thinking of why I'm thinking about doing this. And, you know, I know this thing would really, this is really honoring to God. And ultimately, I think I, I'm probably going to do that. But, boy, it's a battle here. And letting, letting him just see the practical ways you make choices in your life and why you choose the path of following God in different situations. As he sees that, he's going to be like, okay, this isn't just a belief system for him. This is actually real to him. This is real life, you know, and that's that's going to stick more and more. And sometimes, you know, some people just, they have to hear the same story quite a few times before they um, choose to accept that. And so you're, you're planting seed each time, and sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. So... Um, any other thing before we wrap up, guys? Any other questions? No? Oh, yeah. Um, for me, like, uh, if I'm talking to someone that, and they ask, well, where is that in the Bible? You know? Then I might point them to that and stuff, but, um, or if they, if I feel like, if I feel like from their background it would help them to, um, what I'm, what I'm saying would come across as more valid to them, um, and sharing the verses, then I might do that too. Um, but th- those are kind of two of the main, main times if they ask about it or if, if, if I feel like it would help him, uh, maybe they come from a church background and they just, they don't know much about. They kind of know the Bible, but they're not really sure and stuff. Uh, or they think it's a good. They think it's a trustworthy book, but they've just never really taken time to get into it and stuff. And uh, then I might talk to them about it. But <clears throat> a lot of times, you know, I found that people, you know, it doesn't. You can still articulate the principle, and and in your own words say what the Bible says without having to say, in Ephesians two eight nine. Because I mean, for us as Christians, we think oh, okay. That validates that. But then as Narcos is like, who and what number? What are you talking about? Like, I mean, why why are you quoting numbers in this now? Like, what, you know, it's just weird to them. Like, we don't think about it, but it's weird to them. And so, um, so that's kind of generally what I think. Yeah. I have a question. It's a really specific question. Um, I five. The answer is five. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently, um, we were playing 
group of guys out there playing already. And a couple of new guys, and I was talking to them, and um, I was talking when I was connecting with this one of the kids really well. Um, and I'm, I've never had a problem being an exploder ever in my life. <laughs> Not even close. Um, I've always been an extreme avoider. Um, but I was talking to him, and I just kept on being like, when you like, share the gospel from right then, or just like say, and I'm a Christian, you should come to church with me, you know? And I was like, I had all these like weird thoughts and weird demands. I was like, well, that's weird, like, don't say that. Like, hey, yeah, like, cool, you should go too. Uh, do you want to go to. Hey, Christian starts with a C. Yeah. Hey, you should come to Christian Challenge. Exactly. I was having like all these things, and I was like, well, he doesn't come next week. Like, oh, shoot, this is my only chance to invite him to something, or should invite him to something, but I have to like work in that every Christian to conversation, and like, because we're just talking. I mean, we're not even, we have like 30 seconds to talk about this back and start playing again. Um, is that an example of like, was I just being an avoider or was I not being an exploder? Um, Based off of that simple explanation. You know, <laughs> it, it kind of, I mean, I think it kind of depends on the situation. Like, if it's, if you're literally like sipping some water and about to get in it, um, to be like, I'm tired. I'm a Christian, by the way. All right, hey, yeah, like that might uh, might not really fit. Um, one of the things I found why some people too can get in the um, they can be tempted to be an an avoider or be an interrupter or something like that. Or when they get in situations, they they end up saying something weird. Is they think um, sometimes they're jumping to the wrong conclusion about what needs to be the next step. Um, for a lot of times, they meet someone, and the first thing they do is, oh, just come to church with me, or come, come to Christian Challenge with me, I think. Uh, maybe you should invite them to something else first. Because if they, I mean, you think about it, I mean, if you're a Christian, and someone invites you that you have no idea who they are, but they invite you to some Christian thing, you might be a little, I don't know if I want to come to that with you. I don't even know who you are. You know, that's not even because it's a Christian thing, it's because you're a Christian, you're not offended by that, but you don't know who they are. But then compound that with, I don't know who you are, and I'm not even a Christian. Double weird, you know? And so, uh, so one of the things I've told guys is not to be embarrassed of church or be embarrassed of Christian challenge, not at all. But, and you could tell them, hey, that's part of, part of what I do during my week, you know? But, um, but invite them to do something fun. Build, build some time and some relationship with them and things that are on their turf or on things that are on neutral turf, whether it is playing sports or studying together or going to get lunch or something like that where they clock in some hours with you and maybe even invite some of the guys around challenge to do that and so they they meet some guys so later on when you're like hey later you know we're we're doing this thing on tuesday night uh and hey so-and-so that you met and so-and-so that you met they're gonna be there too you want to come and then it's like that's a lot more casual oh maybe i will come because i'm not just moving into a room of complete strangers here at this point um so i think that'd be something you know something good to do if you, if you have trouble getting to getting to know people quickly um in conversation and you just kind of have a blank stare in your face a lot of times uh a good acronym to remember is f-o-u-r for um family occupation or if you're in college major um upbringing and religion you know those and if you there's tons of questions that you could ask someone under the heading of those four letters and I mean, and within two, one conversation, two conversations, I can know a person pretty well by just asking them questions and that. And then you get them talking about themselves rather than you just talking about yourself all the time. And usually in a conversation like that, 
most people are going to say, yes, yeah, such and such, such. What about you? What about your family and stuff? Or what about what do you do during the week? And what's what's part of your schedule and stuff? And then you go, well, you know, I got class on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then on Tuesday night I, I do this thing with, you know, Christian Challenge and stuff like that. And, and it's a natural way to share, like, it's what I do. And it, it's not like, you know, waiting for that conversation. Like, when is he going to bring up the religious topic, you know, and stuff? It's, it's just the natural flow of the stuff. So, um, so figuring out ways just to bring that up. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think probably the way you handle it is probably fine. I think that might have been weird just to throw that out there and stuff. But, um, but if opportunities do come up, you know, take them. Because like Strap said, you know, there are expiration dates on opportunities. That God, because He's gracious, He'll bring up new opportunities sometimes. But sometimes He won't for certain people. So seize them when they're there. Well, I want to keep my promise that you guys will be the first in line for dinner, so I'm going to wrap this up. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll be done. Um, God, I thank you uh, just for um, the simplicity and the um, clearness of your gospel. Sometimes we way overcomplicate it, God. Um, it is a, a mystery that none of us could have thought of intuitively, but it is also a very simple story. Um, and I pray, God, that we would know it well enough um, at, a, at a mind level and a heart level that we can clearly articulate it to ourselves and to our friends and family around us. Um, and God, would you help us to really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit leading in our lives, um, to really be paying attention to the Holy Spirit guiding us and to keep in step with Him. And uh, God, when opportunities come up to point to you or to um, share just a nugget of truth about something from the Bible or just share, or maybe even share the whole gospel. Maybe it's not always share the gospel. Maybe it's just sharing a small tidbit about our lives and how you've worked in it. Uh, would we be wise to know what to say in different opportunities and situations? And I pray for the courage and the boldness to see those opportunities and trust you with the results, knowing what our role is and know what your role is, God. Uh, it's your name I pray. Amen.